Habakkuk chapter 1 is God being true to himself because the people walked away from him. And God has always said, when you walk away from me, there are consequences for your actions. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. Take your Bibles this morning. Habakkuk or Sue Habakkuk. That's Carol. And then I listened to it online, and he said something entirely different. I'm not even going to try that. So I'm going to say Habakkuk for the rest of the sermon series. You pronounce it however you want to. Yep, Habakkuk. All right. Yeah, Habakkuk. That's, that's, that's what I'm going with. That, he was from the southern part of Israel, so he's a southern prophet, so we'll go with Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, new series this week, lasting three or four weeks, Faith That Shines in the Darkness. I just want to list a few words for you this morning, because I think as I say that, your mind will automatically go to where I want you to go this morning. Mount Tabor, Ida, the Dixie Fire, Fred, Afghanistan, COVID, and the list could go on. You know, I could pull up WXII or the journal this morning and probably read a headline of someone shot in Greensboro or Winston or somewhere else. How about a personal, some personal words that, that, that wouldn't appear in the newspaper, but at the same time you have to deal with? A health diagnosis you didn't want or expect. The, the unexpected passing of a loved one financial difficulties, family troubles. We, we hear those words, what's happening in our lives and, and what is happening in our nation. And when we start to think about it, we just, we, we become burdened. We, we, we feel it. You, you, you can physically feel it. You just feel it like it's, it's pushing down on your shoulders. And I think part of that burden is when we hear those words and we start to think about what is happening, we, we look around and, and we realize how much of it is completely out of our control. The Dixie Fire in California is po- uh, poised to be the largest fire in California history. What if I dropped you off in the front line and gave you a water pistol and said, charge it? You wouldn't be able to do anything. You feel hopeless. You feel feel helpless. 
and you feel confused because you're looking around and you're seeing what's happening and you can't understand what God is or is not doing. And if you have felt that way in the past couple of days, week, month, or year, you have felt just like the prophet Habakkuk. You feel just like him. Because that is how he feels. That is why he comes and he writes his book. Because he's looking around and he can't figure out what in the world is going on. Aren't you glad that God gives us His Word that speaks to us today? Because we're going to see that contrary to what Habakkuk thinks, God really is acting. Now, that's also going to present some more difficulties that we're going to have to discuss in upcoming sermons. But it lets us know and reassures us this morning, even before we get there, that God does indeed know. So this morning, Habakkuk chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 1 down through verse 11. It says, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told for behold, I am rising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at the rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up the earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. That is what Habakkuk writes in his opening chapter. You feel like him? Did that ring true to you this morning? If it did, prayerfully, this message is for you. What I want to do this morning is look at the complaint that Habakkuk lodged against God. 
All right, that's how we're going to do it. The first four verses is Habakkuk's complaint against God. We, we read in verse 1 that he is a prophet. That, that means that he's not just someone that God randomly called. He, he, he has been called for a purpose. He's probably spoken other oracles that God has given him. Some of your translations probably say burden. So Habakkuk looks around, and he is perplexed with how all of this unrighteousness can flourish while a holy and mighty God lets it do that. How can a holy God allow what happened at Mount Tabor two weeks ago to happen? How can a, a holy God allow what is happening in Afghanistan? How can a holy God allow the forest fire to rage? How can a holy God allow a hurricane to come through and, and, and flood entire cities? How can a holy God stand there and watch while people are, are getting away with crimes and flaunting law and not being punished? How can a holy God watch people profane and curse His name and curse His law and oppress people and not say anything? Habakkuk says, God, how can you do this? And so Habakkuk comes and, 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 and he lodges a complaint against God. I mean, what you see in those first four verses is Habakkuk's complaint and when I read them, I am positive that you thought, yeah, I agree with what he's saying. I absolutely agree. Because what we find out as, as we go back and look at the historical context, it's, it's not all that different than today's. When Habakkuk wrote this, you want to talk about geopolitical turmoil in the world, there was. The all-powerful Egyptian nation was on, on the decline. The all-powerful Assyrian nation was on the decline, but they have already captured Israel and, and pulled them off. And so here comes the Chaldeans, the, the, the new Babylonians, who are, who are coming up against all of these problems. And, and everybody's wicked. The Egyptians are evil. The Assyrians were brutal. The things that the Assyrians did today would make people... Who, are, who, are, who torture people, blush. And the Babylonians are not any better. Habakkuk looks around and goes, God, how are you letting this happen? But then he looks into Israel. He looks into Judah at God's people and goes, and, and, and God, it's not just the pagans, right? Let's be honest. If an unbeliever or a pagan acts like an unbeliever or a pagan, we don't really think anything about it. That's how they act. But boy, a believer does the same thing, and we're going, what? Habakkuk looks into Judah and says, God, your law, your Torah, the moral law is, is being perverted. You don't need to turn there this morning, but let me read a couple of passages for you. Sec or one passage right here, 2 Kings 23, 34-37. It says, And Pharaoh Necho made 
Elikim, the son of Josiah, king in the place of Josiah, his father, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. So Jehoiakim is sitting on the throne of Judah. And it says that Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land to give the money according to the command of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and the gold from the people of the land, from everyone according to his assessment, to give it to Pharaoh. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. The king sitting on the throne in Judah in Jerusalem is wicked and is evil. And that is what Habakkuk is looking at. And so he looks at God and says, God, you're just ignoring your people. You're you're just ignoring your people. I cry out for help and you don't hear. Now it's pretty amazing because he's what? He's a prophet of God who God is speaking to so that you would think, would you not, that if God is speaking to his prophet, when his prophet turns and speaks to God, God is going to listen. And Habakkuk's going, you're not listening. I'm down here shouting about violence. I'm down here shouting about wickedness. And you're not doing anything. Imagine you're walking down the street one day. And on the other side of the street, there's a police officer. And the police officer's just standing there. And then all of a sudden, right in front of the police officer where you can stand and watch, somebody comes up and starts to attack and assault someone else. And the person who is being assaulted is sitting there going, Help! Violence! Evil! I'm being hurt! I'm being attacked! Help me! And the police officer just stands there and watches crosses his arms, or her arms, and does absolutely nothing. The pleas for help fall on deaf ears. Now take that and amplify it to a a magnitude of national level where the prophet is looking around and going, the righteous people are being assaulted all over, and God, who you said were these are your people, you're not doing anything. You're sitting on your throne watching the angels play their harps. Which I hope you know they don't. That's his complaint. You ever feel like that? You ever thought that? How about this next one? God, why are you allowing lawlessness to occur? You look down in verse 3, he does this in in, in three little couplets where he connects some different words. He connects iniquity and wrong, destruction and violence, and strife and contention. He goes, God, I look around and everything, all I see is iniquity. All I see is wrong. All I see is destruction. All I see is violence. All I see is strife. All I see is, is, is contention. See that anywhere today? This is what's happening, God. And as we just saw, he's going, you know, God, it's not just happening at what we would, we would call the, the lower rungs of society, right? He goes, God, this is happening from people who you put on the throne, who are sitting on the throne, 
They're, not, they're, they're the ones setting the example. A few verses later in that second Kings passage in, in verse 24, it, it says that the king who is sitting on the throne, he, he's saying that, that he has filled the streets with innocent blood. So if the king who is supposed to be guiding your people is, is filling the streets with innocent blood, is it no wonder that the entire society that is underneath him has fallen into this disarray and all that they can do is destroy and, and strife and contention? And it's the priesthood too. It's not just the political rulers, it's the priesthood. The priesthood is, is, is being corrupted. Because they're letting all these high places go up. That's what it means when it says he walked in the wickedness of his fathers. It means he went out and he put up false altars for people to worship pagan gods. And what are the priests doing? The priests are going, okay, as long as you come to my temple on, 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 or my synagogue or temple on the right days, you do whatever you want the rest of the week. the political and religious institutions that were supposed to be standing as the bulwark against all of this have utterly collapsed and are actively participating in it. You ever feel like that? Think you could write that headline from anything that's happened in the past few weeks? If not, how about this one? God, Habakkuk says, God, why do you tolerate injustice? Why, why are you ignoring your people, allowing all this, this lawless and this, this righteousness to, to be dismissed so that the righteous and innocent cannot receive the justice that your law requires. Remember, God, you gave your people the book of the law. And in the book of the law, you said that if this happens, then this is the punishment. You said that if a person cheats someone, they have to pay restitution. You said that if a person killed someone's animal, they had to make restitution. You said that if someone killed someone else, then, then that person had to be put to death. God, you gave these laws, and now they're being completely ignored. So the person who was cheated in the market, the person whose, whose donkey was killed, the person whose family member was killed, can't go get any justice because the political system and the ones that sit in the courtrooms are as corrupted as the wicked in the streets. He says, your, your law has been paralyzed. It, it's, it's, it's been made numb. You ever had your leg go numb? Right, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden your leg goes numb, and you try to stand up, and the next thing you know, you try to stand up, and you end up falling down, and you're worse off than you were before you tried to stand up. That's the exact position these people are in. If they go to the courts to try to find justice, then what's going to happen? It's going to be worse for them because they're going to lose. The person who perpetrated the crime against them is going to emerge victorious. It's worse for them to go and try to seek the justice that God's law demanded be handed out than if they just allow it to happen. Habakkuk says, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know about you, but I read those words and I think Habakkuk was pretty bold considering God had some lightning bolts at his disposal. I mean, that's, that's, that's a serious charge. 
If we want to update it to modern parlance, and you know I'm not hip and cool and everything, you know, Habakkuk just called God out, didn't he? I mean, he just he just laid it out. Jump forward from Habakkuk's writing into 2,600 years to where we are now. You think that could have been written today? I don't know about you, but I do. Those complaints, um, some of them haven't been far from my lips. I mean, I, I, I've uttered them recently. God, you've got to be kidding me. I am watching what is happening, and you have got to be kidding me. What are you doing? And the rest of that sentence is because if I was God, I wouldn't do it that way. And Habakkuk is just, he's right there. So that's his complaint. Let's look at how God answers. God does answer Habakkuk. It doesn't make it clear in the text by saying, and God spoke, but when you're reading this, God begins to speak in verse 5. That's where God starts talking to Habakkuk. And he talks down through verse 11. I want you to notice that as God responds, that there's a great truth just in that statement. And the great truth is that we have a God who speaks. We have a God who talks. We have a God who interacts with His creation. We do not have a God who is far off, who does not dare condescend to speak to His creation. So the writer in Hebrew said long ago, by, through various means and methods, he spoke to the prophets, but through this last days, he has spoke through his son, Jesus Christ. And we have seen that, and we, we have that now in his, in his, his word. But we have a God who speaks. And God speaks to Habakkuk. And, and, and when he starts to speak, the first thing you know is that God kind of listened patiently. Right? God doesn't interrupt Habakkuk as he starts to level all of these accusations right if i walked up to you and i was going to start accusing you of this when would you jump in would you let me get through all of those or are you going to interrupt me when i look at you and go you will not hear what do you mean i won't hear i'm listening to you right now aren't i mean i couldn't even get to the second sentence and if you came up to say it to me you wouldn't get to the second sentence either what are you talking about you lost your mind but God, just he, he's patient. He allows Habakkuk to speak. God's patient with us, right? There, there are times when we come and we, we've prayed this prayer and He's patient with us. He allows us to speak. He allows us to say that. But then, God is sympathetic towards Habakkuk. I find this both fascinating and a little bit distressing, to be honest with you. And what I mean by that is God does not look at Habakkuk in verse 5 and the first words out of his mouth is, you don't know what you're talking about. God doesn't start. And in fact, throughout God's response, did you notice that God does not once rebuke Habakkuk for what he has said? Did you, did you pick up on that? 
You read the book of Job. Job chapter 1. Satan and God are having this conversation. God, by his own description, says, Have you considered my man Job, who is a blameless and upright man? Blameless and upright. Those are God's words describing Job. And then you know the story of what happens. Job loses all his stuff, loses all his family, loses all his cattle. And then there's those, those 39 chapters of Job and his friends having this conversation. God doesn't speak. God is silent. Then all of a sudden, God burst in in Job chapter 40, verse 1. And here's what God says to Job. He says, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? What did, what did God do right then? God in His response looked at Job and said, Wait a minute. You've crossed the line. You're a sinner, even though I've called you blameless and righteous. You're a sinner, and you're a, you're, you are a, a person in fault. Are you going to come to me, and are you going to contend with me, Job? And then God goes on, and God lets Job have it, doesn't he? Hey, Job, have, 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 can you fish in the Leviathan? Hey, Job, have you seen the storehouses of hell that I have saved for for the day? Hey, hey Job, can, can, can you tackle the elephant and bring him down? Hey, Job, did you, were you there when I hung the stars in the sky? Hey, Job, do you really want to have this conversation with me? And Job gets to the end and Job basically goes, My bad. I think you're right. But you get to Habakkuk chapter 1, God does not interact with Habakkuk that way. Why? Because Habakkuk is right. What Habakkuk has said is absolutely correct. And God agrees. And this is the distressing part. God agrees. He knows that there's violence. He knows that there's iniquity. He knows that there's destruction, strife, contention, and wickedness going on. And he basically says, I understand. Now, put yourself in the prophet Habakkuk. How do you respond to that? You come up to me, and you're going to call me all these mean things and say, Gary, you're this, 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 and this. And I go, okay. Well, um, you weren't supposed to agree, so now I don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, it basically renders Habakkuk speechless. Because what do you say to God when you accuse God of doing something and God goes, you're right? I mean, he's sympathetic. He says, I see what's going on. Now, that's a little bit distressing. That's the distressing part because he sees and he knows. But he agrees with Habakkuk. He says, I, I understand. I understand. But then he says in verse 5, but Habakkuk, I'm going to act. I'm going to do something. And he tells Habakkuk, he says, look, see, wonder, and be astounded. Because Habakkuk, I'm about to do something so great. And I imagine at this point, Habakkuk is just, he, he's sitting on, his, on the end of his pew going, I, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see, right? He just, he, just, he just knows that something is going great to happen, and God keeps going and goes, I'm going to do something amazing in your days, Habakkuk, that if I told you what I was going to do, you wouldn't even believe it. 
I can tell you, and you're not going to believe it. And Habakkuk is sitting there going, I can't wait. I've heard the stories about Sodom and Gomorrah. I've, seen, I've heard about the fire and the brimstone. I don't get to see that. I, I, I've heard about God coming down on Mount Sinai and His glory. I, I'm going to get to see that. I can't, I can't wait, God. I can't wait. Come on, God. Yay, God. He, he is all, he, he's yay, God, at this moment. And then God, <laughs> who I believe has an incredible sense of humor, looks at Habakkuk and says, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Time out. Time out. Whoop, 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 whoop. God, time out. And this ain't a 30-second one. This is a full-on timeout, God. This is a, this is a, 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 a we got commercials to air timeout. Um, they're evil. They're, they're, they're wicked. Um, huh? You're, you're raising them up? God, you're right. I don't believe you. I, you've told me, and I don't believe it. And yeah, God, I'm pretty astounded. If he could speak British English at that time, he said, I'm gobsmacked. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And just in case, this is great, and just in case Habakkuk didn't know who the Chaldeans were just at the mention of their name, God goes on and describes them in verses 6 through 11, right? Here they are. They're this impulsive nation who marches throughout the earth, taking what is theirs. People fear them. They're a law unto themselves. They go to war where they're as fast as leopards, fierce as wolves, and strong as, as eagles swooping down on their prey. They love violence. They just revel in it. They take people captive. And if that's not enough, Habakkuk, they do have a God, and their God is violence. Habakkuk has gone from sitting on the edge of his pew to just laid out on the pew. God, you have got to be kidding. What are you doing? Well, Habakkuk was a prophet, right? So he probably knows the Old Testament. And there's some answers in the Old Testament. I want to give you a couple verses, and I'm aware of the time, but hang with me, please. 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8, Israel has come to God and says, We love you, but we want an earthly God. We want an earthly king just like all the nations around us. Will you give us a king so that we can be like everybody else? And God says, All right. And then in verse 11 of chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 8, he starts to detail what the king will do. He says, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. And then he goes on in the outlines that, and it's not pleasant. He's going to point commanders. He's going to take your daughters. He's going to take the best of your fields. Basically, you're not going to like this. But then God says this in verse 18. And then that day, what day? The day that you wake up and you realize what has happened with the king over the land, you will cry out because of your king, whom you chose for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. On that day that you cry out, you're going to get exactly what you asked for and what you said that you wanted. But wait, there's more. 2 Samuel chapter 7 is the Davidic covenant. 
where God establishes the covenant with David and the promise that one from the line of David would sit on that throne. We saw that when we read the Kings verse. And it is an unconditional covenant. It absolutely is. However, tucked in to 2 Samuel chapter 7, as God has given that, is verse 14. Where God says, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Okay, Again, establishing that covenant. When he commits iniquity. Hmm. <laughs> All right, now we've got a problem. There's a little bit of a condition. When he does this, God says, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men. So when the king that you wanted, the king who I said through David will sit on the throne, begins to commit iniquity, like violating my law, setting up false idols, setting up false altars, perverting justice, tolerating lawlessness, encouraging wickedness. When that day happens, then I'm going to use the rod of men to discipline you. Habakkuk chapter 1 is the fulfillment of what God said He would do in 1 Samuel 8 and 2 Samuel 7. Habakkuk chapter 1 is God being true to Himself. Because the people walked away from Him. And God has always said, when you walk away from Me, there are consequences for your actions. However, in a but God moment, he continues in verse 15. But my steadfast love, right? Remember that from a few weeks ago? That, that, that Hesed love will not depart from him. Will not depart. You're going to turn away from me, but my love for you is not going to turn away from you. My steadfast love, my promise to be your God is not going to turn away even though you've turned away from me. And God is going to continue with that love and they're going to continue to be His people. And He is going to demonstrate to them years later that God is stronger than the strongest. See, Habakkuk and the people are going to think that the Babylonians are the strongest. They're going to think that they are just the most mighty, most powerful force in all the world. And at the time, they were. But did you catch that they march under God's orders? So if they march under God's orders, who's stronger? The army that's marching or the general that commands it? And if God is strong enough, to use the Babylonians who, who have no idea that they are being used by God to come in and use them as the rod of discipline against His people? Do you think that God's power then is strong enough later to save His people out of the captivity that they are taken into? See, God is stronger than the strongest. We look around today 
And we look at what's going on and we see the power of nations and we see the corruption of nations and we see that power played out on the political field. We see that power played out through wars. We see that, that power played out through diplomacy. We, we, we see nations trying to, to, to demonstrate and improve their might and all the time they are stronger or they are not as strong as God is because God is working. God is doing something. God is stronger than the strongest. He says, look among the nations and wonder and be astounded. You will not believe what I'm doing even if I told you. And the greatest testimony to that is when he sends Christ to die on the cross. Right? He says, look, you won't believe the strength that I'm going to demonstrate through sending my son to die on the cross to save you from the sins. Because God's power is eternal. God's power is unlimited. Man's is not. And God is strongest or stronger than the strongest. And there's coming a day when all his power is going to be on display, when he comes back and he frees his people from the sin and the bondage of this world and frees them from the evil and the unrighteousness and the lawlessness of this world and transposes them not to another nation, but to his nation, to his, his eternal kingdom in heaven forever and ever. Habakkuk, I know you don't believe, but watch and be astounded, for I am going to do something great in your days that you would not believe me if you were told. Today, we look, we see, we wonder, and we're going to be astounded because God one of these days, maybe in our lifetime, we'll do something that is so amazing that we wouldn't believe it even if we were told. Now, here's the fun part. <laughs> We've been told. He's already told us. He's coming back for us. And when He does, we're going to look and we're going to wonder and we're going to be astounded and we're going to say, just like John did at the end of Revelation, come, Lord Jesus. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.